Hello everyone, so this set of podcasts I'm going to do is something that I'm going to be preparing just for clients of our case coaching program, right? So, you know, we've got so many clients that I thought that a good way to keep track of what you are doing and to motivate you was to put out these podcasts that are just solely focused on clients in our coaching program. Not clients in our, uh, you know, in our subscription to the consulting offer, not clients in our strategy training program, but this is a podcast just for clients in the coaching program. And I thought about different formats I could take, you know, I could talk about general things, but I decided not to do that. What I've decided to do in each of these podcasts that I'm going to put out for just the clients in the coaching program is I'm going to each, in each podcast, I'm going to pick either a successful alum of the program or I'm going to talk through, or talk about a current client and talk through what they've gone through or what they've been through. So today, and I think that that will give you a good feeling because I know some of you may be lacking motivation and so on, but by hearing some of the experiences others have had, you can, you know, definitely learn from that. So today I'm going to talk about one of my very first clients, um, a very nice lady from Stanford University. And beyond mentioning Stanford University and to say that she ended up at BCG, I won't mention the regions and so on to protect the identity. But anyway, way back when Firms Consulting was still young, this was in 2010, 2000, and early 2011, we used to allow people to go onto our website, pick a time in our diary, and we would review their resume for free. Um, then obviously we had far less clients, the business was a lot smaller, we weren't involved in so many things as we are now, so we had more time in our hands, and I was more than happy to review people's resumes. So anyway, there was this lady from Stanford University, very nice lady studying philosophy, who booked time into my diary at least eight times, but for some reason, each of the times she booked, something came up and I couldn't make the call. And I'm embarrassed to say that at least three times I forgot to tell I couldn't make the call, and I can't remember the details now, this is a very long time ago, but she dialed in, waited for me, the call didn't take place, and, you know, she eventually sent me an email saying, Michael, you know, I know you're very busy, but I really want to speak to you, you know, I want to have my review, my resume reviewed, this is the process I followed to set up a call, and, you know, we haven't been lucky speaking, but I really want to speak to you, so when you get a chance, please, you know, get back to me. And I did email her back, but we just never had a time to, to set up a call. Then, about three months after this, a client of mine mentioned that he knows someone, he's been practicing cases with someone, but he thinks that she would be a good fit for the program because of her values and her personality. And you know, she just has a very, very good value system. With, she wants to change the world. And he thinks that she would benefit from me speaking to her. So it's not that I treat referrals from clients any more seriously, but at that time, my diary did open up, I did set up a call with her, and I did say, hey, you know what, your name looks oddly familiar. Have I seen? Have I spoken to you before? And she said, yes. Yes, we tried to speak eight times before, but you could never make the call. So anyway, long story short, she went through the screening process. We had a slightly less intense screening process then, but she went through it. She passed with flying colors. She got offered a chance to join the program, and she got into the program. Now, let me talk to you about this lady. Very young. Um, when she joined the program, she probably was about 22 years old, maybe 23. 22, 23. She was doing a master's at Stanford, and she was, I would say, 
she was a kind of person who if you didn't know better you'd say wow this person is incredibly confident but then when you talk to her she tells you well i'm not sure she she doesn't show if she has the right background she doesn't know if she's good enough she doesn't know if she has doing the right things at school she doesn't know what she needs to change and so on right so now if you you may ask yourself you know why does this matter if someone looks like they have confidence but they're internally insecure does it matter they're still people can't see they lack confidence but it does matter it matters not because people cannot see you're insecure but because the decisions you make are automatically choices that are not best for you if you autom- if you think you're not good enough when a great opportunity comes along you automatically will back off from it because you don't think you're good enough or you don't deserve it so whether or not people can see you lack you know sec- uh, confidence is, is not that important I mean, it's important that people can't see it, but more important is that you don't believe it as well. So we had a few discussions whereby I was guiding her. The most important thing was to, you know, I looked at her resume. I thought she was, whoa, you've got an amazing resume. You've done this phenomenal things. Um, so, yeah, you, you'll be a good fit. The second thing is that she had, she was a scholarship child, um, but it comes from a wealthy family. So I don't mean like she lost a scholarship to be the end of the world. But she had also picked subjects that were incorrect so she had taken on this massive cost load which i didn't understand why she had taken on such a massive cost load and i asked you know why did you take on such a massive cost load when she said well i spoke to these managers from bcg well you know project leaders and they told me that bcg only wants people with an analytic background so because my major is in a non-analytic field I decided to take on extra subjects because I needed to have an analytic major. Then I pointed out to hey, just hold on a second. Analytic doesn't refer to whether you have a math background. Analytic refers to the way you think through problems. And speaking to you for the last few days, looking at your grades, no one is going to say you're not analytic. So don't, so you're confusing being quantitative with being analytic, right? So don't take very technical subjects if it's going to pull down your grades consulting firms worry about grades you know i would like you to graduate you know magna cum laude whatever you get from stanford for graduating magna cum laude put that in your resume i think you know your parents will be proud you will be proud and so on but don't take subjects that are going to pull down your grade and she was she ended up graduating first in her class but the point is that at that point she was going to trade off her grades for having a more analytic background which is for having a more quantitative background which is obviously very bad advice more than that she had already picked a major so she was taking cost load work for that and then she was taking additional work she was going after a double triple major just to add in a quantitative background which was unnecessary so basically she was doing more than she could conceivably manage and it was hurting her so I had to guide her through that process right that's the first thing the second one is that this lady believed that um, she was not what's the word I'm looking for she believed that she didn't have things of interest so that people wouldn't talk to her so she was terrified of networking I mean she really wouldn't talk to people and one of the things that surprised me about is her is that when I did my first case with her 
First fit question with her. It blew me away about just how good she was at recalling the detail and speaking about it loosely in the style consultants need. I mean, she had to be coached on that style and guided, but I still believe up till this day, no one has ever done a fit case with me as well as that lady has done it. She was just exceptional. And one of the things I then had to convince her is that, look, you got to stop prejudging everything you are doing because what you're doing is that because you automatically think you are not ready to do anything you will never be ready for it because you you think you are not ready so this is what I want you to do rather than than working to be ready before you do things I want you to start networking with a firm you don't want to join to see how bad you are and if you are that bad the networking will go badly and it wouldn't matter to you anyway because you don't want to join the firm but if it goes well then it'll be proof to you that you are very good at communicating and the reason I went for that strategy is because no matter how many times I tried to convince her that look you've got a good background you speak well you are going to have no problems interviewing she do, she just wouldn't believe it so I had to put her in a position whereby she could see for herself so we decided that BCG was the least choice least she didn't want to join BCG. She didn't like it. She didn't like the people that she had spoken to. She spoke to some of the managers. And by that point, she had realized that the advice they'd given her were incorrect. So she decided Bain was the target and BCG would be third choice. And McKinsey, well, she wouldn't mind joining McKinsey, but it'd probably be second. So we got her to network with some of the partners. And it went very well, obviously. Um, she was charming. She was able to articulate what she was looking for. She had a very good uh, detailed knowledge about the different topics. She was one of those people who actually went ahead and read about the different sectors that were covered in the office. So she was ready for the discussion. Look, obviously that worked very well because she ended up joining the Boston Consulting Group um, as a uh, consultant. Actually, she joined as an associate entry level. But the point is that that's a lesson. You know, you, you must be very careful about listening to what other people tell you is your level of performance you know the danger here is that when people say you're ready but you're not ready and the flip side is people say you're not ready when you really are ready so make sure you're getting the right kind of advice in this the other thing that about her which i find very found very interesting is that she is she was a very petite woman and I could very easily see her getting lost in a crowd. In fact, I'm pretty sure if she was in a crowd, I wouldn't even know she was in that crowd. Small lady, a tiny woman. And a couple of the things we had to teach her was how does a small person, or petite I think is a better word, without insulting anyone, how does a petite woman who is a soft voice, um, how does she carry herself to make sure that she doesn't come across as a pushover. So the first thing was obviously changing her dressing and her hairstyle. And so there are certain ways you 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 can present yourself with regards to makeup and hair that make you that give you more presence than than you have, right? So for example, when you when you have a petite frame for a woman, you don't wear big hair, bob and so on, because it actually makes your frame look smaller. What you would rather wear is you would actually want to pull your hair back so that the message you deliver is that you do have a small frame, but it doesn't really matter to you. It's, it's almost psychological. So to change the way she wears her hair, change the way she wears makeup, which in my opinion was too dark, if she ever wore makeup, 
make it lighter and more natural and change her dressing because she she was so small she'd wear suits that she would drown in which made it look kind of funny so we had to make her wear ta more tailored outfits a more fitting slacks she she never wore suit pants always wore suit skirts which i thought was a bad idea if you're a petite female you should wear suit pants especially if you have a good figure right i mean then you don't want to be wearing baggy outfits she also would wear flat shoes which is a bad idea but she couldn't wear stilettos she'd probably fall in them so you wanted to wear heels but not too high heels so the dressing makeover was very important when it came to strategy what what I decided to do for her was that look, and this is hard to predict, but we, we did it through the networking, is that she is so modest that we had to get her to network with partners and a culture that would respect modesty. As opposed to being in a culture whereby they wanted someone to talk about themselves. So we picked offices where we knew the national culture, uh, given her background, she was eligible for these offices, whereby the national background was one that would fit her personality very well. So we did not apply to the United States for that reason. Even though she started in the U.S., she wanted to be in the U.S., I, I did talk to her and say that, look, given your personality type, the only way for you to be a good fit is you have to change your personality type. And I would say you don't want to do that because you're not going to you're not going to look natural and sincere so you want to you know be sincere in your interviews apply to firms where you're a good fit now the thing about her is that she did apply for, for not for internships but for the final for the for the full time recruiting and she didn't get in so she didn't get into bcg um Bain didn't invite her for an interview. McKinsey invited her for an interview, but only in the United States, which had a place for her because she had she decided to try it. It wasn't her first choice to see if she'd get an interview. And we decided she shouldn't interview for the United States because, you know, I think she should find it difficult to adjust to the culture. So the lesson here is, you know, what happens in this situation? Someone commits all of their time, very good background, someone who already lacks confidence. What happens to them if they don't get it? Obviously, it's damaging to their confidence. And there was a period, so we agreed that, okay, she didn't get in, not a big train special. In fact, I think the BCG partners liked her a lot, so they said, look, you did very well. It was really close. And the most, the main reason why we didn't take you is not because you did badly, but because you just didn't understand the local culture very well, and we were someone who was better at it, so we took them. But we think that, you know, you can make that jump, so if you want to re-interview again in six to nine months, we, we will do that for you. But it was hard for her because I think f for the first two to three months after this happened, you know, all her motivation and so on disappeared. She wasn't doing any preparation, no reading, um, basically nothing, just working through a final year at college. And I think this is very common for other clients who by either don't get interviews, get an interview, fail the PST, fail the final round, fail the first round. You know, it's disappointing, right? The question you ask yourself is this, it was such a massive sacrifice to get that far. Is it possible to do it again? Is it worth doing it again? You know, are you able to spend all that time practicing? It's tiring. Um, why do it if you're not going to make it? So I think it's very hard to motivate yourself. And one of the things I kept doing with her is that I kept her focusing on small things that would maintain her fundamental skills, even though she was too disheartened to to do proper preparation. So one of the things I used to do with her is I would speak to her for 10 minutes every week. 
and for those 10 minutes I'd ask her to tell me about a recent newspaper article she had read and let's discuss that. So I didn't want to make her do cases, I didn't want to do network, but I wanted to keep her reasoning skills sharp. So what we were, what I was doing there is talking about newspaper articles means she was building a business judgment and I made her only read newspaper articles from the country or about the country where she was going to be applying. So that way she wouldn't lose track of things. But newspaper articles means it was relatively interesting for her because she could pick anything she wants, fashion, cosmetics, I don't know, anything, right? And we could talk about 10 minutes, so there's not a lot of fatigue. It wasn't taking a lot of time from her schedule. So it's literally something that was was not going to put a substantial drain on her time and her planning. And, you know, it was as if that she was preparing but not preparing. So so what I'm trying to say is that if you are disappointed and you find yourself suffering from fatigue, you've got to do things that are not are keeping you still good at case preparation but are not taking up a big drain on your time because the biggest problem with case preparation is as soon as you look at how much time is required, you immediately decide, oh, I'm not going to do it, I'll push it off. So if you commit just 10, 20 minutes a week, I would say 10 minutes, there's no reason to push it off because it's just 10 minutes. So the like the barrier is not the amount the barrier is not that you don't want to prepare. The barrier here is that the way you plan your preparation if you don't get in is that you make it look like this massive mountain that you don't want to overcome. And so I set up this process of discussing articles and after a while she could see that, you know, I would coach her through how to think through the issue, how to critically analyze the statement made, how to segment the revenue, how to analyze this company's profit. She started getting interesting about, interested in it again, and very soon she would ask for more time. She said, Michael, you know what, let's do a case about this. It sounds interesting. And, and so, so the point I'm trying to make here is that even the best people like her, face obstacles. I mean, she was a good student. I think she was one of the best students I've ever had. Maybe not the best. It's hard to pick who's your best student. You know, they're all so good. But in terms of personality and, you know, just living our values, definitely one of the best. Um, you know, top 5% of all students we've ever had. And when someone like that faces an obstacle, you want to you want to make sure they don't lose confidence in themselves. So you create something which is so easy for them to accept that they don't have the convenient of excuse of saying the barrier is too big and I don't want to do it. So that's the lesson here, right? If you are going, you know, if you've applied and you didn't get what you want, so what? Reapply. But don't say, okay, I didn't work harder before, so I'm going to work even harder now, because that's the wrong attitude to take. You probably worked very hard. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. You probably worked harder than most people work. But... What you should do, however, is take your foot off the accelerator a little bit, but do a few things that are just keeping you at the same level you've always been. So the key here is, what is the key? The key is you've got to basically stay at the same level without burning yourself out, but focus on rekindling your interest. Because as soon as you, the work gets interesting again, you'll want to do more of it, right? And the way to do that is to, I find newspaper articles work very well, that you can discuss business articles, talk about the topics, and it usually means me doing most of the talking because you know, we'll be talking about, I don't know, the fishery industry or something, and you know, I'll explain the economics of how the fishing industry works, why they have quotas, and they say, oh, I never thought about that. 
and it becomes interesting for but it's just 10 minutes 10 minutes right so 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 the the interest is building and after a few weeks she realizes hey you know what this is very interesting yeah i can i can still understand this i can still do it so maybe i need to go for this full time and yeah i'll work with michael to do it so my point is this if you you know if you're a client and you're going through some difficult time and i and I, I know there are clients who have either you know we're told you can only apply nine months because you applied too late others failed their pst others the interview didn't go as planned for others the office they wanted to apply to is not interested in them for others they can only get into an office outside the united states the point is everyone faces their own version of obstacles Hopefully, you can learn from this experience of this one client and think about how, when you do face an obstacle, it's not about redoubling your efforts because then you'll just kill yourself, but it's about doing just enough so you don't fall backwards and trying to rebuild interest. Because honestly, it's the interest that is preventing you from going back in. And it's normal to feel disinterested and disheartened if things didn't go as planned. So don't expect the interest to come through in a, in, you know, in a month. It may take two months. But if it's going to take two months, that's okay. Make sure in that two months you're doing little things. I say newspaper article analysis, which is probably the best. And you are constantly developing yourself. That is the key thing. As always, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to let me know about them.